Quest Gaming Podcast presents Skyrim Off the Record. Everybody, welcome back to Skyrim Off the Record for Episode 9, brought to you in part by DoghouseSystems.com for all your computer gaming awesomeness. These guys make the best computers for gaming that you can get on the internet or from a store anywhere. Not to mention they have the best customer support and tech support you can get around. They're awesome. Check them out at DoghouseSystems.com and use the code Off the Record for double the RAM for free. Great deal. Also brought to you in part by Continua, an ebook by Junior Wilson, available on Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. It's a fantasy novel. All right, guys. I am Joe the Widget Wilson. Let's get into the fun of this show for episode nine. I almost wanted to call it episode ten. Joining me as my second chair, Mystery Varwin. Hey, Joe. Chat room. How is everyone doing today? So far, so good, and they're gonna answer you in about ten seconds. Uh, uh, really, by everyone, I just, I'm just, I'm really just meaning you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, and our third chair, and the resident lore master, his new official title for the Quest Network, Louis Olan. Thank you, Joe. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Varwin. Good morning, everyone in the chat room. How's everyone doing? Well, Hope everyone... now they're now they're angry with me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't want to watch anymore. Um, oh, I love the delay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a lot of content in this show today, actually. We added a little extra something-something for you guys that were a little surprise from Lou that we'll get into later on in the show. But for right now, I want to say that Buffalo is dyslexic. In the entire also. city? Yeah, when it comes to the weather. Um, we had five inches of snow dump on us in three hours two nights ago at 20 degrees outside and then today or yesterday it hit 48 and it and was raining and this is a good start yeah i just pissed off the chat room you just pissed off the city of buffalo lou would you like to say something about the country <laughs> <laughs> we could be here all day with this <laughs> all right let's uh, avoid that mess and go on to the meat and potatoes of the show oh he said it meat and potatoes oh Oh, meat and potatoes. Lou, you're first. All right. Hope everyone had a great week playing. I had a little catastrophe strike during the uh, gameplay week. Uh, My mage alt file that I created way back when and started to work with got corrupted, so I had to delete it. Oh, painful. How did that happen? I don't know. Uh, I was trying to connect, you know, open up the game, run it, and for some reason the Steam launcher just wouldn't open. And so I tried for like 20 minutes, had some issues, and then I stopped. And then when I finally got in, for some reason, my mage file just wouldn't load. Did you opt into the beta? No. No, I didn't. It was just surprising. I haven't done anything but just, you know, play the games. Yeah. And for then, for some reason, since the launcher wouldn't go open, it somehow screwed up my file, and now I had to get rid of it. Just but that one no one. worries there. Yeah, just that one file. Well, that's the one I was trying to open when, when I was run, running man, the launcher. It's always a good idea to have. I, have. I had a corrupt file happen once, too. I have two primary saves for each character. Ah. 
That way, if one goes corrupts, I have the backup just in case. Right. Yeah. You know, I should try that because of me and my altitis, I really should get around to yeah. doing that. And you want to alternate the save. So when you're playing that character, when you want to save, you save on one, and the next time you save, you save on the next, and you alternate between both of them. That way, you don't lose much time in between saves. Yeah, it's a very good idea. I, I'm gonna have to do that then with this one. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't too pained. Just more of an annoyance because uh, the character wasn't that high anyway. But the good part is I can start all over again, which I had no problems with. And this one's going to be... I'm going to run her like a battle mage. Okay. You know, sword, one hand, the other hand free to wield magic. Mm. And right now I've got this character wearing heavy armor for sheer survivability because I don't like the robes <laughs> at all. <laughs> and granted, you know, the character's under level, you know, only level 9 at the moment. But still, I don't like or I don't see the benefits from my playstyle with just wearing the robes. Yeah, I wanted to so. I wanted to make that that um, battle mage, you know, the heavy armor casting. Mm -hmm. But in order to really make that work, you have to have high enchanting, right? Which is my main focus. After hearing you guys talk about it, I think I'm streamlining as to what I'm going to focus on, just to make it more effective and see how it goes out from there. Yeah, I've been having not a very good time with leveling enchanting. I'll talk about that in a little bit though. <laughs> so, Lou, what else has been going on, man? I actually have to go back to my main again and continue on with her. I mean, I really can't. I get too distracted playing the alts, and I really do want to, well, not get to the end game because there's no game per se, but at least finish the main storyline for my character for that particular one for my main. Yeah. Get it over there, and then actually, I'm actually thinking of just completing that main story, foregoing everything else, and then, you know, just, just finishing the rest of the game that way. Cleaning up the rest of the main, uh, other side quests and miscellaneous quests with right. that. You're getting that itch now that you've you're kind of like sad. I've like I've kind of noticed that about you. You when you jump into a game, you kind of like you know spread spread your fingers out with all the different kinds of characters, and then you zero in after a little while and just pound that story out and get it done. Yes, because I really do like exploring lots of options, a lot of different ways of different play styles. Yeah. And then once I find the one or two that I really enjoy, then I really I, I zero in on that and just play that. Yeah. Till till the end per se. Well, this game is no end. I think everyone knows what I mean. It's just finish it to completion and then work on the other play styles. Experience the game that way. That's well, a good way to play. Like, I almost wish I, I was like that because I find that, especially in an MMO, I feel like, um, you know, I don't, like, learn enough about the game as I'm coming up because I'm always, like, you know, very single-minded with, with my characters, too. Um, and I've kind of been that way with, with Skyrim, but with so many different, like, you know, trees and play options, I, I haven't had the uh, the ability to just stay single-minded with a single character so it's cool man you're you're definitely like trying that that new that character and you're going you're going through that that main storyline right because it also prevents me from burning out in a game because i find that if i zero in too much or focus too much on one character especially with the kind of time i can devote to playing games since he who has no life um <laughs> i you know, I, I had to pace myself and literally force myself to say, you know what, I'm not going to play my main North character because I know if I start playing it for the next two, three days straight, I'm just going to wind up not playing her at all or just not play Skyrim for that day. Yeah. You know, I'll switch to something else. So I, I want to avoid doing that. So hopping on an alt or two for a couple hours, it does help because it breaks it up. Yeah, of course. And you got to do that because if you get bored, then you don't want to play the game that, that stinks, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. All righty. Cool. So what about you guys? How's your week been? Uh, you know what? I'm going to really throw Yvar one for a loop today, because I'm going next. Nice. So, um, I got obsessed uh, with decorating my basement, um, to where I spent probably four hours down there decorating stuff. 
And I, I posted pictures up on, I posted pictures for the guys to see before the show today. But I went and, like, took that long table in the basement. Half of it's set now, still set. The other half, I, I dumped probably 60, 70 gems all over it with some gold bars and some jewelry. Kind of like my little hoard stash right there. I, I decorated. What stash? My hoard stash, you know? The dragon hoard the dragon stash. nest, you know? The, the jewels, gems, <laughs> gold. Right. Right, you know, just the fun. <laughs> It wasn't the other word. Now shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I went and made weapons to fill up their weapon racks. I have armor on almost every dummy in there. Um, and I, I decorated my dragon claws on a table. Like, I have two... It's a, it's a small, thin table when you first go into the basement. I have two dragon claws um, facing inwards on the table towards the center. And then one of the dragon claws... The uh, I want to say the um, the emerald one is facing towards your camera f- towards you, and that took me an hour by itself just to place those stupid claws like that. I was sitting there um, hitting the claws against all different objects in the game, trying to move them and, and angle them the right direction to put them down. So yeah, it was uh, it was pretty uh, time consuming and pointless. Point? What? Well, why? <laughs> why point? Chat room. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, why pointless, Joe? Like, well, it doesn't make any sense in the game. I'm just kind of decorating for my own enjoyment, which just right, really counteracted myself right there because it's the game's for my own enjoyment anyway, right? Right, exactly. It's not pointless. <laughs> you know, you go in there and you know do your thing. Yeah. How do you like the uh, How do you like the mod? I spent four hours in there being playing Susie Homemaker. You know, um, <laughs> did you did you bake cookies? <laughs> The mod's great. The white picket fence. I mean, it, it's it's huge. There's, I found a couple of bugs in it, which are irritating, but not game changing like that. But when it comes to yeah. like the display cases, you have to physically put them in there. You can't. I know the, the display cases in your house. You can go into your inventory and it'll place them in there the correct way. The ones in mm-hmm. the basement, they don't work like that. It's okay. literally well, I, I know. Move them and put them in there. I think the uh, the author of the mod had a disclaimer in there on on. Uh... On the website, saying like it was still a work in progress, so he's oh, yeah. he's definitely going to be patching it. As as far as it itself, it's a great place. I love it. A great place to put yeah. all my crap that I go around and find. And I'm working on a collection of finding all the bugs in the jars because apparently there's quite a bit. Like a butterfly in a jar. There's the fire bug in a jar. There's a butterfly in a jar, and there's a whole bunch of different ones. I'm not sure exactly how many, but I know of three right now. I, and one of them I saw actually when you were t- doing your playthrough of Arwen. I gotta go go over there and get that. Yeah, the uh, the bee in the jar. Yeah, the bee in the jar. And yeah, so I mean, then I started working on um, enchanting, and it started really, really getting me po'd. Because I went around. Why? Well, one of our listeners said to email us said you know go into the the Dwemer ruins type dungeons, and the uh, the spiders and the, ro- the 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 robots that everyone t- tends to forget about. All have soul gems on them, sometimes too. Oh right. So I was yeah. doing that, and sure enough, I got probably thirty or forty soul gems on me. So I got all excited and went to go enchant things, but I was only able to use five of them. Because only five of them were filled. Oh. The rest were all empty. Ah, well, that's an easy fix. Not so Mr. easy. I take the heads off of orphan matrons. Not so easy <laughs> when my my primary weapon is a danger weapon that already has a danger enchant on it. So I can't exactly enchant it to, um, you know, suck souls for me. 
So I was thinking well, I might have to make a Daedra sword. The um the person who wrote the email he did he did caution that he did say like you know I he got all like those gems but read that part because I was a noob. Ah, so I found out the hard way, and then I realized I didn't have enough gems left to enchant another weapon to suck souls. So I have to go out and find one that's filled, or go out and buy one. <laughs> Soul sucking, sucking pickaxe. Yeah, that's the way to go, huh? There, there, Joe. It'll be okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'll get over it. And... You'll find souls to fill your gems. I'm sitting there <laughs> at level 55 enchanting, thinking, how in the heck am I going to get this thing to 100 and still, like, not be 80 years old by the time I'm finished with this? But, you know, apparently it's it's possible. So I'm, I'm going to do it. I swear I'm going to do it. And then I went around collecting Daedra hearts or trying to to make my Daedra armor. Went all over all the cities looking for, in all the shops for the Daedra hearts in the, in the potion shops. Found one. One heart. One? Yep. I'm going to keep on that task because I think I need five more to make my armor. I have all the ebony I need, all that good stuff. I just need to get the Deja hearts. And I know where to find them, and we got tons of emails about where to find them. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. No more emails about, about Deja hearts and dogs, guys. We, <laughs> we, know, how to, we know how to get the dogs and we know how to find We even had someone this week email us with a picture of an exact location and it was the what cracked me up about it is it was a screenshot of a town with a big red arrow like like it was drawn in there. It says dog here. <laughs> oh, it cracked me up. I'm wondering the dog is here, Joe. I wanted to put it on the website. I still might because it was so funny. Oh, that was good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you didn't know where the dog was in that picture. <laughs> oh man. I went into a I did one one quest for the Empire quest chain and i had to go and just basically basically put it short i had to go attack a a stronghold a, a keep and we had to take it over and you have to kill so many stormcloaks i imagined myself because it was cracking me up i was one-shotting every single stormcloak every single one of them and sometimes Damn. the criticals they would fly back and you know you kind of picture like a movie sometimes you know when you're doing this where i pictured it like the, the camera panned out a little bit you see this high castle wall and behind it, you see these bodies flying everywhere in a, in a, a line across the wall, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Limp bodies flying that's, everywhere. That's kind of how I felt, like that awesomeness. That's, uh, that's going to be our next, our next uh, project in the future, is, is going to start uh, filming movies. <laughs> <laughs> no. Gosh. <laughs> no. Podcasting takes up all the rest of my life. Uh, I got a couple, I got a tip from CJ. A listener who emailed us in, and it's not really so much tips, but he wanted to emphasize some of the more elusive achievements in the game that I thought were pretty cool. For those of us who are completionists who want to do these, I know that a lot of the completionists right now know about this, but a lot of people don't, so I'm going to go ahead and highlight them that he mentioned. The first thing he says is collect all the dragon priest masks. There are a number of priest masks that can either be found or fought for in the game. If you have ever bothered to look, at the loading screens between locations, you will find a huge clue as to how many there are and where to find and where the final mask is hidden on one of the loading screens. I have actually never found one of these masks. I did not know I, they even existed until this email. Yeah, me either. I uh, I didn't I didn't even know about that either. And apparently, there's an achievement for collecting those. Um, collect all the dragon claws. Uh, remember the get the the golden dragon claw in the beginning of the game that you have to get. And give it to the shopkeeper. Yeah. yeah, that's the claws you need to find. Well, there are a number of claws to find in the game. There's several of them, in fact. Um, see if you can find them all. 
mind you, to get the full set, you are going to have to steal the golden claw back from the person you gave it to. Yeah, I was just gonna want, I was just gonna ask, like, do you do you get that later on in the game again, or do you have to steal it back? Back, it sits there on his his counter. But you know, at least you know where if it you is. steal it back, which I've done. Okay. And, um, when you steal it back, and you do it right, he'll never notice it's gone. He'll still thank you every time you come in the store. Now, did you notice that Golden Claw actually has on the palm of it the solution to the puzzle in order to open up that door? Yes. In, uh, okay, so you didn't. Do all the... Uh, they all do. They're all They found, all have... Yeah, they're all found in dungeons or related to a dungeon. Uh, there's that little town right outside that big mountain where you go up the, the what is it, the 3,000 steps up to the top for the main quest. Yeah, High Rothgar. High Rothgar. There's that town on the bottom. Well, there's a cave or a tomb next to it that where they the townspeople say it's haunted when you start that quest there's a a claw that you have to get to go further on in that dungeon it, it actually turns into be a whole sprawling dungeon but down there and this claw is actually not found in that dungeon it's found from an npc in that town from the quest so there's multiple different ways of finding these claws but they all are all related to a dungeon they all have the same kind of formula that you see in the palm. It's the same door type that you use to uh, open them and get through. Okay. So they're basically cle- they're basically keys. Uh, learn all the shouts. Not only is this a personal achievement, but it is one of the 70 game achievements as well. Having learned yeah, all the shouts, a... you can then set a goal of learning each shout fully. All 30, all three words. <laughs> this is going to take a long time to complete all this. As some of the walls are well hidden... And you're going to need to slay quite a few dragons along, along the way in order to accumulate all these souls. You need to unlock these learnt words. One of the key ways of doing this, though, is like I said in a couple episodes ago, go after the dragon lairs, the dragon nests. They have The dragons respawn there every few days, every 48 hours. So you can go back to one and, and collect the dragon shout. And if you're looking for um, scale, souls and scales, or scales and bones, sorry, you can go there and get those from those dragons pretty easily. Um, but you can only learn one shout there. But each one of them has a shout word. So you want to look those up. I know there's a site, and I can't think of it right now, that actually has on the map listed every single dragon nest. If that's something you want to do the easier way without having to explore, you know, 40 hours in order to find them all. And he says, lastly, his current goal is to invest in every single trader throughout Skyrim. It's a daunting task, but he's well on his way to his target. In order to invest into a trader, which allows you to, which allows him to carry more money for you to sell to him, it, I believe it's a perk higher on in the speechcraft tree that allows you to do that. If I'm not mistaken, to invest in the trader. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's I believe it's in the speechcraft tree where you do that. Uh, well, that's it for me. Now, what is what is that supposed to do again? Investing in in a trader. It allows them to carry more money. I okay. believe it's something like 500 or 5,000 gold in order to invest in them. All right. Now, what do they like constantly withdraw money from you or during a certain period of time? No, it's a one-time investment. Okay. So you spend, I believe it's 500 per shop and they will carry an extended amount of money to sell or that, that, that you can sell to them from. Oh, okay. So basically it's like increasing their, their coin inventory. Correct. Right. So if you have a lot of vendor trash, they actually have the funds to sell to you. Which you know, can, to yeah, you. like someone like uh, Damon in the chat room said it, which lends or leads into being able to sell stolen goods to them, which is helpful because I have a lot of stolen goods. 
Yeah. Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> All of Skyrim knows. We still uh, love you for some strange reason. Oh, it's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Come to my house. Get all my stuff. Please, my coin. Here's my coin purse. <laughs> hey, hon, have you seen all of our plates? <laughs> I know, no, I know but Joe was here just a while ago. That Rogar character was in here. I mean, I didn't see him take anything. <laughs> Funny about that Joe guy. Every single time he, come, he comes over, we're missing plates. <laughs> <laughs> and cups and things in jars and... Coin purses. <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> where's Teddy? <laughs> <laughs> what about your playthrough, Varwin? Um, yeah, had a had another another awesome week in uh, in Skyrim. I figured out that I wanted to go in a uh, in an RP direction with my with my Khajiit, which is now kind of like my main character. So I've gone from I believe level thirteen to level nineteen with my Khajiit this week. And I've got his story all planned out. Here's here's basically what I'm going to be doing with him. All right, he's um, he's a thief. All right, he's so I'm doing the thief's quest first in Riften, and then he's going to become an assassin. So I'm going to take care of that quest line too because I've been dying to see these these uh, the thief and assassin quest lines. So I'm going to get those two taken care of, and then once I'm done with the assassin quest line, I'm basically going to start up the the main story, the main Dovahkiin story. So that's going to turn him from a bad guy, which I'm playing like a, a heavy villain type bad guy character right. with him right now. And I'm going to make him a reformed hero. So at the end of, you know, the Dovahkiin storyline, he's become he's gone from being a really you know horrible bad guy to the hero of Skyrim. Wow. You are really are being that one. Nice. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this whole thing. It's giving me direction. Um it's uh, it's making me do things that I wouldn't normally do, like you like you suggest, Joe. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a lot more fun that I've been having. So I'm I'm really psyched to to get through this. So to that end, uh, we had the live stream up. Um, when did we do that? It was a Sunday night. It was Sunday night, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, we had a blast. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty entertaining. Yeah, we had a few a uh, few new faces strolled in uh, for the live stream again this week, which was great. It's great to see everyone again. I think uh, the most uh, popular week we've had so far, to be honest. Yeah, of course. So, uh, everyone was laughing. One person popped in, like, "When are you guys recording the show?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, that doesn't. We don't record the show on the little live stream events that we do for uh, Ivarwin's little playthrough. Wednesday so, morning. Um, Wednesday mornings at ten thirty Eastern. That's when we record the show. We usually tweet it out or uh, throw it on Facebook or both the uh, the morning before or the morning yeah. of. So just watch that stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, started. Uh, so then I started the thief's quest line um, in Riften. <clears throat> I uh, took care of that, and I managed to uh, scoop up the bee in a jar in uh, my Golden Glow estate. So me and Ivarwin had a little argument during his little adventure into the thieves' guild, or the, the, not the thieves' guild, but the, uh, the the bee farm. Yeah, he was sitting there by the beehives, trying to figure out how to burn them. <laughs> and I was trying to get him to use a stupid fire spell just to get it done. But I don't want to use a fire spell. I no, I didn't want to use it. Magic. Because he's playing a thief. He's got nothing to do with magic. <laughs> I want to reach the screen and smack him. Right, yeah, the chat room's telling me, use a torch, use a torch. <laughs> I don't have a torch. I didn't have one on me. <laughs> oh, you mean that item I sold? 
in the last town? Oops. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Mistress is in the chat room saying, she remembers that. <laughs> you probably sounded exactly like that. Yeah. I pitched and whiny. <laughs> I don't want to use magic, Mom. <laughs> Come on. So I wound up using the magic anyway to burn the beehive sound. <laughs> And then I found out as I went back into the estate, I was sneaking around in there trying to get the quest done. I find out that it's not necessary to keep all the guards inside alive. Right, which is what I did. Right. So, because the way the way the quest giver comes off is, you know, he basically tells you, you know, don't go killing anybody unnecessarily. Dovahkiin, smash. Right. Well, that's not fun for me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I want to, well, the other thing too, is that when I go inside a place, you know, okay, all great and to sneak inside, but like, I'm not going to constantly sneak around everybody. I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get zerged. It's going to be a pain. So I just take them out one by one. And I was, you know, a little hesitant to go inside and and start that kind of a play to start sneaking around everybody. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I just remembered something about that question. There's a guy in the basement of the, of the keep for that, that, that bee farm he's sitting on a chair in the middle of a bigger room with a one light over him do you remember that npc vaguely yeah it's in the basement it's like a bigger room in the middle of the basement he's sitting there in the middle of the room in a chair just staring at a wall i couldn't figure out how to get by the turd so i went up and snuck behind him and picture this this huge nor red guard sorry and all this heavy armor just lifts up from a crouch right above him he's still staring at the wall i pull out my axe and go into a not a fierce, yeah, a fierce swing with the stamina. So he pull, I put my axe over my head and just straight down over top of his head. Oh! One shot kill. He just went flattened face first into the ground in front of the chair. I'm sorry. It was just one of those Ouch. classic moments. Well, I don't think I got to see that guy because when I went downstairs, I uh, I forgot to go back into sneak mode. And I, <laughs> so you I had everybody on you anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I full face pulled him. <laughs> So, um, so I, anyway, I, I walked inside and I, I asked everyone like, you know, do I necessarily have to keep all these guys alive? So, so that's when everyone said, no, you don't have to. And I was like, oh, great. So everyone just started dropping like flies, <laughs> <laughs> which was funny in and of itself because, you know, I wound up pulling, you know, a good portion of, of everyone inside. Yeah. So I was you are when it's time for you to confess your sins to the public. <laughs> After everyone, after all the hats dropped, <laughs> I went upstairs and because that's where the quest had led me. It led me upstairs and got into uh, another another big brawl up there. And um, I decided that it might be fun to start picking up the corpses and putting them on the bed and arranging them <laughs> in ways not appropriate for the show. Now. <laughs> um, Let's put it this way. Well, the funniest part about all this was Ivarwin giggling the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> that malicious, like, teenager boy who knows he's doing something wrong. It, it was funny. <laughs> I, it was, I had a new toy because I didn't know I could, I, you know, all right, you, you can pick up pots and pans in the game, okay? But I didn't think I could pick up an entire Nord. <laughs> So, like, I'm picking these guys up, and they're, like, floating around. Like, you can see, like, their feet are dangling. You haven't picked up the dead bodies and thrown them off a cliff just to see them fall? No. Oh. <laughs> Maybe but I will now. <laughs> Maybe it's just my sick way of playing. 
I, I will do that now for sure because <laughs> so I, I was, it was like, it's like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> so I started stacking them on top of the bed together. And, oh, you and know, the, the chat wants that. me to remind our list to remind Ivarwin and to tell our listeners that Ivarwin got beat by an unarmed bum. <laughs> <laughs> Got beat up by an unarmed bum while he was carrying a huge sword. I don't know if I... I may have blocked this one out. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Mistress is telling me a wino took him down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I fought off you know several heavily armed Nords in a very confined space, and then a wino took me out. <laughs> a drunken master. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anything else, Uvarwin? No, that was it. Um... Yeah, <laughs> I got to tell you though, like the 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 play, um, the way that I'm playing the character though is is a tremendous amount of fun. You know, doing doing the sneaking and then using the bow with restoration magic and a two handed axe. Yeah. Awesome. The way you, it is so great. Listening to you laugh the entire time playing that night, you could tell you had a blast with it. Oh god, it was so much fun because I feel like. You know, I'm I'm almost like I can do anything. Like I've got the entire spectrum open up to me. You know, if they I I could sneak in and take them out. And if I can't do that and they discover me, I've got backup. Just pull out my two handed weapon, you know, smack them on top of the head with the thing, yeah. <laughs> push them back with a shout or or push them back with the actual weapon and then just bash them. <laughs> you need to get that. You need to find that slow time shout, man. Working on it. Working on it. Yeah, and there's actually a, another site that I found. I believe it's on the wiki where you can find the Elder Scrolls wiki. It will mm-hmm. tell you where the location of every shout. I imagine um, doing the Thieves quest and then doing the entire Assassin's quest, I'm probably not going to see a dragon in Skyrim for quite a few levels. Probably, yeah. If you're going to do that so. first without activating dragons, yeah. So, But uh, yeah, that's that was that was my week in game. Okay, we're going to move on to the Tamriel Times. Confirmation by Imperial State. Dragon spotted in Riverwood. Jarl of Windhelm appoints a new thane. This is Tamriel Times. Your source for news in Skyrim. And here we are in the Tamriel Times. We have some more Patch 1.4 news. The fix... It's still coming. Yeah. Here we are. It's the last. It, no, it's, it is now the February first day. February 1st. February 1st. Mm-hmm. And I double checked after writing this uh, yesterday. I double checked to see if this patch was going to be out. Still not out. And as of as of the recording this morning, it's still not out. Um, so I'm a little little disappointed about that. They said it'd be coming out the end of the uh, the end of the month. And, and uh, I guess what they really meant by that was the end of this week. <laughs> yeah, well, beginning of February. Right, <laughs> exactly. Was beginning of February. Who's counting? <laughs> Who's keeping track of these things? Who counts? Next episode, oh, we'll do it next week. Right. So, uh, as of Monday, January 30th, Bethesda still maintains that patch 1.4 will be due out this week. Fixing scores of broken quests, memory and performance issues, as well as dozens of other minor bugs, such as an occasional failure to transform from werewolf back to human and vice versa, and cosmetic bugs like some weapons failing to display properly on racks and infinite loop occurring with bookshelves. Not to mention the eagerly anticipated creation kit will be due out soon after. Good. Um, I wanted to play with it and report on the show today about it, but 
no, nah, can, no, can do. Yeah, I I look through the the patch notes that they were they've got so far. So um, those were the someone the most... in the chat room asked if the creation kit was for PC only. Yes, 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 it is. And and here's the reason. Okay, there there is a huge difference when talking about PC and then the consoles. I don't know if if everyone is aware of this, and I, I certainly wasn't aware of it either until I um, until Bethesda said something about this. All right, the reason why they're so heavily PC oriented is because it's the quickest way for them to to alter their game. All they do is just put it on Steam. The consoles suffer, and the reason being is that they release the uh, patch information just. Uh, as quick as they do for the PC, but it has to get approved by Microsoft and Sony before the PS3 and the Xbox can put it on their on their servers, and that process takes a while. So think of it like you know buying a car um, from your mechanic versus buying a car through the internet. You know it's it's going to take a while for the car to get to you if you know the guy you bought it from lives in another state, but if you buy it off your mechanic. You know, you drive it off a lot that day, so it's kind of like that, right? In any event, uh, we've got uh, we've got a quote here from Bethesda. Uh, they did release an official an official statement regarding patch 1.4, and they said, and I quote, "We really appreciate the feedback from our Steam beta. We anticipate the 1.4 update going live this week for all on the PC and being sent to console manufacturers. The creation kit won't be far behind. So good, uh, even though." Yeah, even though they they kept on saying like the creation kit was, you know, going to was going to be out like the same time as patch 1.4, looks like it's going to take a little bit longer. Well, we should see it hopefully within the next week or two. And you could always count on the delay happening eventually soon. But we all did get uh, updates to to the beta as well, which uh, fixed a couple of bugs. So nothing nothing huge of note. Just. Um, Targeting, uh, target some audio issues, bug fixes uh, for the French, German, and Spanish, and Italian versions of the game. Nothing huge, though. Hey, guys, how are you? Uh, we just wanted to go over this real quick. Uh, patch 1.4 has actually released as of 2 p.m. on February 1st. Uh, this is a post-edit after the show. Uh, when we were recording the show live, uh, the update had not yet applied. We had no idea when it was coming out, and uh, we just did a double-check, and it's now out. We would also like to mention that on Steam, uh, Bethesda released a video that highlights the creation kit, which has yet to be released as of this patch. So we just want to play a little audio for you on that video that came out. And uh, without further ado, here it is. Hey guys, this is Nick Brecken here with a preview of the Skyrim Creation Kit for PC. Like the GEC for Fallout 3, the Creation Kit offers the same suite of tools that the developers here at Bethesda use to create the world of Skyrim. And now with Steam Workshop support, uploading and sharing your content is easier than ever. To show you all the new features, here's Bethesda level designer Joel Burgess. The Creation Kit is our most powerful tool to date. It uses the same data format as previous Bethesda Game Studios titles, so workflow and interface will be familiar to veteran modders. Newcomers will appreciate our wiki documentation, written by the developers here at Bethesda. The Creation Kit also introduces several brand new features to give modders more power than ever before. The scene editor was created to organize complex interactions between NPCs. Dialogue views are a useful tool for writers. 
Artists will appreciate dynamic, real-time shadows and visual gizmos for manipulating objects in 3D space. We've also written an entirely new scripting language called Papyrus, as well as implementing workflow enhancements throughout the editor. The most dramatic new feature, however, is integration with the Steam Workshop. Thanks to Steam Workshop, it's easier than ever before to upload and find mods. Players can subscribe to your mods, and Steam will automatically download and install them no matter where they play Skyrim. To upload a mod to Steam Workshop, choose Upload to Steam from the File menu. Here you can enter a description for your mod, apply any content tags you wish, provide screenshots, and then simply upload. Steam Workshop will automatically generate a web page where players can immediately begin finding your work. Downloading mods is even easier. Just browse the Steam Workshop. Once you've found a mod you're interested in, click Subscribe. The next time you run Skyrim, the launcher will automatically download the latest version of the mod and apply it to your game. That's it. Thanks for watching. We can't wait to see what you do with the Creation Kit. Visit ElderScrolls.com for more details. Okay, that's about it. Uh, if you guys want to check out the video that the audio comes from, you can go to BethBlog.com or TheElderScrolls.com. And uh, on to your regularly scheduled Skyrim podcast. All right. That's it for the news. We're going to go ahead and move on to the Bannered Mare. Welcome to the Bannered Mare. What can I get you? And here we are in the Bannered Mare. Ivarwin, tell us what we have for today. All right, guys, to start off our roundtable discussion for this week, um, I would like to say that, you know, Skyrim has obviously become quite the phenomenon. Um, so many people playing the game, uh, Skyrim has delivered unique gameplay and RPG experiences to millions of people worldwide most of which are veteran RPG and Elder Scrolls fans, whom now have a chance to play a game as seemingly limitless as their imagination in an open world. So, today's question. Will future RPG creators have to look to Skyrim's example in order to remain competitive among the RPG gaming community? What features about Skyrim do you think will become must-haves in the RPG genre from now on? It's, you know, obviously... Uh, changing or about to change or will change the rpg genre and quite honestly after playing this game i don't know if we can go back to what we normally see in the genre um what what will they have to do in order to make in order to keep people's attention into into their games after this uh, I, I think the biggest thing about this about this rpg that has to be considered from now on is the way that the leveling is done Okay. The way you level up in Skyrim, how it's done by your action and not by your kills. Because that's one of the big things about Skyrim that made it so popular. Well, okay. Let's let's start off simply with this. Um, do you think that we're at a point of beyond no return? Will RPG creators from now on, after Skyrim, have to look to its example in order to remain competitive? That question is kind of a no-brainer. Yes. Okay. Without a doubt. Yes. Yeah, the sheer success of the game itself, I believe, speaks volumes. That's how the gaming industry works. You take, you look at at uh, World of Warcraft. Okay, yeah, there were other MMOs before it, other RPGs, but it revolutionized how MMOs operate by how popular it is. And now every MMO after that emulates 
certain aspects of World of Warcraft that made it popular, that people loved. That's what they're going to have to do, the same thing with single player RPGs like Skyrim. And, you know, honestly, I'm hoping that MMOs take a few cards from Skyrim as well in the future as well. But they're going to have to look at what made Skyrim so successful. We want to we want to capitalize on that. I mean, the way that the gameplay is in Skyrim isn't copyrighted. It's not... And it's, it's a given fact that every game developer borrows from other game developers. That's called progress. Of course. I enjoy that right. fact. It's a necessity for the gaming industry. If it wasn't there, we'd be have we'd have a lot more cruddy games. All right, so Lou, let me ask you this then: um, If now Joe said that the leveling, the way you level in the game is is very genre changing, but it's also very Skyrim specific um, and very Elder Scrolls specific. If another, let's say Bioware comes out with a first person game, okay, do you think that they? Excuse me, I said first person. I mean, let's say Bioware comes out with another RPG, okay. Do you think that when they come out with an RPG and it's got, let's say, the exact same or nearly exact same leveling system, do you think someone's going to play this and they're going to say it's like Skyrim only with a Bioware feel to it? I would probably say yes, that they would if fans have been playing Skyrim for a while or any of the other uh, games from Bethesda. I, I believe gaming and game companies have their own, I guess, a brand or their own style of how they do things. Mm-hmm. And with Skyrim, they've obviously opened it up and raised the bar. And as Joe said, you know, other companies will have to follow suit because the sheer success of Skyrim itself says, hey, we did this with the game. We did this with our so-called leveling system. People love it. They're playing the game. They're writing about it. They're passing the word. And Bioware, for example, would have to be silly not to try and capitalize on that. Try and fit it or adapt their own mold of how they do things. Right. Because, you know, Bioware, they, they are straight, you know, rails. They do everything here. You know, everything's organized, neat, and packaged to where there's no free room whatsoever. You know, even when you played Neverwinter Nights when that first came out, or even Baldur's Gate, you knew exactly where you had to go. Yeah, you had the whole map in front of you, but you knew if you went to this region of the map, you were going to get your butt fed to you because you were going to experience monsters that were 20th level and you're only level 5. Right. Yeah, you weren't. So, yeah, you weren't free to roam yeah you're free to roam to explore it but did you do anything in there that was productive no you had to follow bioware's rail you know tracks as to where they wanted you to go with the story mm-hmm. right now i think right. i think regarding the leveling system there's there's a way that you can change it up a little bit to make it not feel so skyrim ish but i definitely think like this is the idea of leveling in a manner that's not so based on killing to gain experience and right. to level in a different manner. Right, you're not killing, you're not gathering X amount, that sort right. of thing. You know, now, you're... I just had a thought. Yeah, the leveling is, is definitely very important, but another thing that really just struck me as what makes Skyrim Skyrim is how the story is presented. It's a living, breathing world, and it, it feels like it because of how the story is presented. You have multiple stories going on all over Skyrim. There's no mm-hmm. direction saying you have to go here, you have to do this story, you have to go there and do this story. You experience it by immersing yourself in the world, unlocking new stories by talking to a certain character or overhearing a conversation here or doing something that creates an effect, a chain effect later on that creates a story that goes in this direction. That sandbox, multiple story atmosphere in this world makes it a living, breathing world, which allows you to do 
it in many different ways. Nothing, and it, it allows for quests to never be experienced in three of your playthroughs. You know, things that yeah, you right. keep seeing new over and over again. That's what RPGs need to do. I am like Final Fantasy 13 was a what what killed that game for me. It was a rail. It was nothing but go here, forcing me to go here, 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 here. That drove me insane. The the open world feel of Skyrim is what drew me into it. I was blown away by it, and I still am. Yeah, I think that's one of the key uh, selling features to an Elder Scrolls game, and to especially with Skyrim. I think they've, I think Bethesda has finally perfected the idea of an open world sandbox feel RPG and leading you in in a an appropriate direction but not necessarily chaining you to that direction. I think they finally perfected it with Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I think there's this this game has obviously made, you know, game of the year. Um, but it's just so much tremendously more popular than previous games of the year in the past. I mean, I remember when Dragon Age came out, that was a very, very popular game. But I don't think it's enjoyed nearly half of the success that Skyrim has, mm-hmm. nor the following. And I think the reason for that is because that, you know, Skyrim is brings to the genre um, something that we've seen before but has perfected that thing. And and these two uh, features that we're talking about now are are definitely among them. And I think after these features, you know, the genre's got to do something in order to incorporate that similar style, kind of like kind of like BioWare's chat wheel. You, you right. actually have it. You don't have a chat wheel in Skyrim, but you have something similar, don't we, Lou? Yeah, you have dialogue options that pop up. And then depending on your previous actions, what you've done, or how people, how they see you, yeah, it'll, it will open up various dialogue uh, choices. You know, depending on what, I guess, your speech craft and so forth. Yeah, it will open up or close off dialogue options to you. Um, so I think... As you and Joe have mentioned, it's just that freedom mm. that is out there in the game itself. And I even say, I, I'd like to add the how the trees work themselves, the skill trees work themselves. Other RPGs, uh, and I'll use Bioware again as an example. You know, you had to follow certain skill sets. You know, in order to to succeed in your storyline, you had to do this, this, and this. Like you had to pick these skills. You know, if you were playing. A mage, yeah, you knew you were a mage, and you were somewhat forced or not forced into playing that particular style, and so have you. You know, with Skyrim, it says, yeah, Joe can be a badass wielding a two-handed sword and sneak around like Shokasugi in, in all the ninja movies in the '80s. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, it. like, there's I, we had an emailer say that I was doing my playthrough wrong, that I should be using light mail because it would maybe have more stamina and this, this, and this, and this. I don't want to play that way. I wanted to play like a walking, breathing tank. And I can, and I make it work. And that's the beauty of this game. Yeah. Right. There's no set skill. You know, you, you have... The game is totally open to hybridization. Now, do you think that that RPGs from now on are necessarily going to have to be forced in order to remain competitive to to keep that going? Or are are they going to be able to you know s- still do the same like you know cookie cutter RPGs that we see with you know the same archetypes 
Um, and you know what they are. I'm not going to list them. You know, with right. the same kinds of builds, killing an enemy, you get X amount of experience. You know, kill a boss, you get X amount of experience. Um, are they yeah. are they still going to be competitive and, and successful? Or do you think the wildly successful RPG is going to move itself toward this this Skyrim esque, Elder Scrolls esque way of 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 playing? Whether it's one feature or all features involved, I think there's room for both, because there are going to be people, players out there that do appreciate and do like the cookie cutter style of play. You know, they they want to know that they're going to play a heavy plate, stereotypical you know tank. You know, they want to know that they're playing a stereotypical cloth-wearing mage and what have you. So I think there's room for both, but with Skyrim, Bethesda has said, and given the RPG world, hey, this is what we've done with our game. The formula works. You know, feel free to use it. You know, so I, I, there's plenty of room for both. And there'll be players that will like both. So. In the game industry, every company strives to make their game a success. But there are two different types types of success when it comes to a game. You have your standard success where it has good sell numbers, people like it, it gets good reviews. Then you have your game changer success. Those are ultra rare, ultra rare. Super Mario Brothers was the very first one. Okay. Then you have stuff like World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Now you have Skyrim. Skyrim falls in that game changer. It's becoming a fad. People who don't know about the game still use you know, comments and quotes from the game. Yeah. Oh, that's very true. I've, I've experienced and these game changers um, tons of are what pushes the game industry forward in a different, but awesome direction. And those are the type of games we need to see that we want to have. And Skyrim, they all comes down to it. It's a game changer. Companies will have to, and will be looking at Skyrim's features and what makes it successful to implement into their games in the future. Let's go ahead and take a break, gentlemen.
we are back in the crafting table. We have one mod for you guys that is kind of interesting. It's kind of an off our usual path for mods. Yvaron, you want to explain? Yeah, um, we it's one mod, but it is it is the ultimate mod. <laughs> That's what they claim. <laughs> <laughs> the mod you have to have. The the mod to end all mods is called Titanus, the ultimate mod. Titanus, T-Y-T-A-N-I-S, the ultimate mod. You can find this available on SkyrimNexus.com and www.titanus.com. Uh, what is this? All right, first of all, let me let me preface this by saying I am only suggesting this if you're really into modding and you don't mind massive game changers, okay? And when I start getting into what this mod is, you're going to start to see that you know, it may or may not be for you because it does include things that we that I would consider cheats, um, and it does include things that are going to completely change your game utterly. Um, now, it's a giant mod that acts more like an expansion than really anything else, and it's constantly updated to bring in new features, which makes reviewing the mod slightly difficult. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you about some of the features it has in it already. Uh, currently, they give you brand new items, brand new powers, brand new spells, and brand new perks, as well as the, abi- uh, the ability to use different animals as mounts, like bears. And you can summon undead dragons, even dual-wield, dual-wield two-handed weapons. Now, so you can kind of see that this... I might ahead, actually create a second screen name on my computer. That way I can just do this on a completely separate game, just to try it out. Because when you create two different okay. screen names on your computer, like... Um, two different accounts on your PC. When you go in the other one, it they don't share saves at all. So I go in the other one and I put this right. mod in there, I can use it just for that that game playthrough, just okay. to try it out and get a feel for it. Just yeah, kind of nice. keep it in its own microcosm. Yeah. Right. Oh, his own little test bed. Exactly. Yeah. No, I would I would definitely suggest that. Even if you like you want to if some of the listeners want to go as so far as to put it in a um reinstall the uh the game on a different on a different hard drive and then put this mod on that hard drive just to keep everything separate. I would say if you can do that or you want to do that, I would go that far. Um, this, the mod itself is, like I said, it's constantly updating and is bringing, bringing in tons of, of unbelievable features. Um, some that they're working on right now is PVE, PVP and RP servers. So the modder is working with two other large modders cohesively and they're going to start building servers for this mod and you're going to be able to upload your game onto it Uh, they're going to create in-game chat joining parties and guilds through this okay multiplayer dungeons pvp arenas open world pvp for their pvp servers only okay (laughs) trading and player housing one of these people listen to our show (laughs) just curious (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um well I, yeah, maybe i mean now, this is literally if they announce like you know the ability to, to play as a pirate or a ninja then we know for a fact they're listening or especially if we see uh, a tough talking uh tough talking uh, red guard <laughs> uh, dressed in dressed in all pirate gear named named widget <laughs> <laughs> with a peg leg and a flintlock tucked in his belt yes right. then we know <laughs> and when you click on him he goes r and your only dialogue option is to say r back <laughs> you can see like they're trying to take skyrim and they want to mod it in order to create an mmo brilliant absolutely brilliant 
but obviously Bethesda did not intend for the game to be like this. So what are you opening yourself up to? Number one, cheats, maybe, possibly. A host of of bugs that possible bugs. Okay, I'm not saying that the bugs are in there. I'm just saying that you know, these guys might make a mistake and there could be some hellacious bugs as a result of this oh, thing. Yeah. And if you get, I mean, look at what they're trying to do. They're they're creating servers, multiplayer dungeons. I mean, you, you log in and out of a server, that game information has got to get saved somewhere. You might corrupt another save file that you currently have in your, you know, in your one-player Skyrim. Possible, you know, I'm not saying it's probable, but I'm saying it's, it's it could be possible. So, you know, just if you do decide to go with this thing, just be very, 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 very careful, and um, more careful than any other mod you would you would install. And um, if you do decide to install it, you know, send us an email and tell us how you like it, because um, I myself am considering, you know, doing this. I mean, you know, Joe. I mean, how cool would it be if we were on a you know multiplayer dungeon together with exactly. Lou? Exactly, live stream. Yeah, exactly, live stream. I know, right? This time we get to save Ivarwin from. Dude, stay out of the vampire. Oh, Joe, we gotta go in there and save him again. Joe, go, go, He's go out tank of it. Again. Go, go. <laughs> right, and by the time you get there, my my uh, my Khajiit named Brago is gonna be picking up corpses and assembling them on top of beds <laughs> and <laughs> putting heads in crotches. <laughs> so again, it's called Titanus, the ultimate mod. <laughs> you know, I got this gothic type bell sound going to my head whenever I say Titanus. Titanus. <laughs> all right so the next part of the show um we do we do have it listed as um a segment i don't have a bumper or anything like that for it yet i want to see how this segment goes for the listeners and if you guys like it and if you like it and want us to keep it i will do the whole spiel for it right now it's called the elder scroll and this is lou's lore segment lou take it away thank you joe well everyone today's introduction for the lore segment i wanted to bring some background for skyrim itself i mean we're in the region so i always just want to give a quick brief little update for the history of skyrim so to get started we all know skyrim is the home of the nords it's where that fair-haired race fair-skinned race comes from it's also known as the old kingdom or the fatherland if a lot of people don't know it was the first region of tamriel to be settled by humans with a date that was lost to the ages. There's no set date. Uh, according to the lore segments I've been researching, there's no actual time frame they can put it in. It's gone to the point of myth and legend. All right? And from the legends themselves, these humans were fleeing from their own civil war in their own homeland that was called Atmora. All right? And they're being led. Their leader was Isgramor. Now, for those of you who remember, Isgramor is the one for the 500, for the companion as well. Oh, yeah. I do remember that guy. Yep. Yeah. It's this leader. He and his people came. They landed at, at Hisarik Head, at the tip of the Broken Cape. And from there, they spread out to the region that is currently known as Skyrim. All right. So, all right. Is Grammore basically brought the first human types fleeing from Atmora because of a civil war to Skyrim? And as Damon pointed out, yeah, in one, of the, in one of the loading screens, yes, you do say, you will see that Windhelm is listed as poss- possibly in the first human city, right? Or the Eholt's human city. All right, now we're dealing with legends and myths here. So, according to those legends, it was this guy and, uh, yeah. Okay, exactly. so this is this is the founding of Time Reel. Um, yeah, is it the or founding just, of Time Reel or Skyrim or both? Or No, it's just more of a landing point. Okay. 
when humans first started. Yeah, we're not talking about the founding of cities, which is kind of where the humans first came from before they came into uh, Tampa. Okay. Um, and the first people they encountered were the Snow Elves. And for a while, you know, both these humans and the Snow Elves lived together in peace. As time went on, it pretty much decayed into a their own war. Uh, the Elves eventually saw the humans as a threat. Not as a martial threat, or, or as a, they saw them as an overwhelming threat because of the fact that humans reproduce faster than they did. And the way they saw these humans act and deal with the world in general, I guess interacting with the environment around them, yeah, they saw them as destructive or potentially destructive because of the way humans you know, adapt to the environment to them. Mm -hmm. As opposed to adapting to the environment, you know, what do humans do when they first get to an area? You know, especially a forest area, what do they start doing? Chopping mm -hmm. trees. Oh yeah, use other okay. resources. Yep, start using the resources and for good or bad, lots of times people don't plan on rebuilding those resources or nurturing those resources. Okay, so the first humans of Skyrim basically make friends with these snow elves and then they get into a war because the snow elves don't appreciate their their overusage of the land. Right. Okay. Yeah, they see them as, as becoming a blight upon the world because of the fact that they're not caring about what they do. They don't have little care for the impact they have on the world. So basically hmm. what they started to do was they tried to thin out or keep the human population in check by starting a war with the humans. Okay. That went on for a time. But as we see, the Snow Wells got the short end of the deal. And so <laughs> humans became the predominant predominant force in uh, in Skyrim. <laughs> Talk about oversimplifying it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't want to turn this to a long drawn out history right. segment. So, no, I know you got to pick and choose what kind of information it, to disseminate, but uh, exactly. And I leave it up to the people. You know, I'm giving them little nuggets so that it hopefully it drives our listeners to actually go look these up on their own and discover things they didn't, uh, you know, know about right off the bat. Right. All right. So, what happened to the Snow Elves? Were they like ultimately eradicated, or have they assimilated themselves into something else? Well, according yeah, to the legend, yeah. they they weren't eradicated, but they've disappeared, or they're not. Readily found. Every time you say assimilated, Varwin, I just can't help but think of Borg. The Borg, yeah. right? <laughs> Resistance. <laughs> Sorry, Lou. Go ahead. Falmer, yes. And Nightmare said Falmer. <laughs> Thank you, Nightmare, for pointing that out. Yeah, the Falmer. Okay, so they eventually became the Falmer. Yes. Which, you know, we see in, in Skyrim, obviously. Descendants. Right. All right, and then up to that point, and now as centuries pass, you have the rule of Vrage the Gifted, which see the Nords expands all of Skyrim. All right, and then they. In expansion, they conquered the other lands surrounding the area, like Cyrodiil, Morrowin, etc. Okay, so now they consolidate their holdings and take over all the land. Until the one day, what happens? Here comes the Empire. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> Under Uriel V. And now Skyrim becomes a province of the Empire. Okay? And now we have the City of Solitude. And that becomes the seat of the Imperial government within the uh, land itself, as we all see mm -hmm. in the game. Okay, so let me see if I got this right. Um, after the the Snow Elves are defeated, okay, it frees up the Nords to start expanding. They eventually expand into all of Skyrim, and then they start moving down into what would become Cyrodiil, and then into Morrowind, the east, which would become right. Morrowind. Right. They expand south and eastward and, and westward. Okay. Of lands that we've seen in the other Elder Scrolls games. Now, from there, how does the Empire come about? I mean, are we talking about like a long history of just warring between, you know, these provinces, which ultimately fractions them into provinces and creates the Empire? Or is this like, you know, another outside force comes in and conquers these, these Nords? 
know, it's more like the the consolidation of the empire itself. And with Uriel V, you know, he's able to raise or or have an army and progress to the point where he expands and eventually conquers Skyrim. Okay, it wasn't an easy process, but yeah, because Skyrim being the way it is geographically and the people themselves, yeah, they eventually become a part of the empire. Okay. All right, and so, which then leads to the point now we have the game where you have the, what, the Imperials and the Stormcloaks. Mm-hmm. All right, you have the, the Stormcloaks, obviously, who don't, who no longer wish to be part of the Empire. All right, because now, uh, you know, the Empire is in a waning state, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So now you see the Nords and, you know, especially the Stormcloaks see an opportunity here, all right, to secede and become their own autonomous land again, their own kingdom. All right. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. so that's basically a, a whole. Uh, the whole lot out there. All right. All right. The whole. The whole I have a challenge for you, Lou, because I've been very curious. Final information about the Dwemer. I want to know about them in Skyrim. All right. All right. That's your challenge, man. I'm challenging you for that. I picked up the gauntlet. It's on. <laughs> <laughs> it's All right, on. guys. Thank you, Lou. That was that was really cool, buddy. Um, let's go ahead and move yeah. on to the town square. Hear that? Something's going on in the town square. And here we are in the town square, your emails and iTunes shout-outs. We actually have a call we're going to play from Matt Crum. Hey guys, it's Matt Crum. Had an idea for a couple additions to the Skyrim UI that would give players a bit more info on their current situation. First, a health bar for your companions and summoned creatures in the bottom left above your own health bar. That way you will know if Lydia is almost toast or if you need to get ready to replace that frost atronarch. Second, a status bar or timer that shows the remaining time on your potion or spell. This would be very useful to me because I brew invisibility potions for my assassin and it's inconvenient when it runs out when I'm staring down something bigger and meaner than me. The timer could also be useful for summon creatures. So anyway, uh, keep up the good work on the show and I'll keep on listening. Alright, thanks a lot, Matt. That was a, a good call, buddy. And I like your ideas with what you were saying regarding the extra health bars for your companions and the status bar or timer. That would be insanely useful. It does kind of lend itself more towards an MMO style of a UI, but you know what? A lot of people are very used to that and like those kind of little helps and, some, and tricks. It would be very nice, especially with the potions, because that's just aggravating as sin. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he was he was definitely onto something with the uh, the potion timer thing. It's good stuff. Yeah, and even with the companions, but my companion dies so quick I don't even care. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't run his course, man. It's just over and done. Um, I'm going to actually skip down a little bit, guys, and go to the producer's email of the week. Okay. And this came to us from Lee in the UK. Um, I, I picked this one with the help of Ivarwin because it's, it's a... It's a different way of thinking about something that we talked about last episode. He says, Hi guys, regarding your discussion on the Android and iPhone apps that allow you to quickly see which ingredients are required to make potions. Using these apps is cheating because there are perks in the alchemy constellation that reveal an ingredient's effects when they are consumed. Using one of these apps makes these perks completely unnecessary as you can see what each ingredient does without any experimentation. Thanks for the show, Lee in the UK. Well, what do you think, Ivarwin, on that? Um, I I was actually pretty appreciative that that Lee sent this this thought in because it's something I haven't considered and I didn't even know about it to be honest. Um, crafting in any game to me is really a nuisance and I I really don't get into it. With this game, 
Um, I've I really stay away from it because it really annoys me. I don't I don't enjoy it at all. So I don't put anything into these trees, and I didn't know about this at all. Um, what I what I can say is that I gave it some more thought. I emailed it back and saying like thank you because I didn't consider this a cheat, and now I now I do, and now I see you know what you're saying. Um, I've given even a little bit more thought, and because I'm so used to playing MMOs, you know, a certain way that we we brought up last week, um, you know, going on the internet and finding your information, I still don't consider this a cheat, though I can see how a lot of people out there would, because it does go around that, that you know, that thing in, in, in the game. Right. Now, I, I always thought of it kind of a cheat anyway, using those apps personally. Because, well, for one, I like experimenting and discovering things for myself like that. Um, but, yeah. I, you know, I can see how those apps do help out people who just want to get alchemy maxed. If you're just wanting to get right through right. it, then that's a great way of doing it right there. But it's really a matter of preferencing on that one. I don't think there's any real way of calling it definitely a cheat and not a cheat. So I think we're just going to leave it as that. It's something is, if you really want that kind of help, get the app. If you want to explore it and experience it for yourself as a game intended do it that way instead yeah I, I really appreciate you know lee's perspective on this right i do and that's why he's a producer email of the week and thank you very much sir for that you have that honor this week uh lou you want to get the next email our next email comes from moosh 95 moosh writes in dear podcasters was listening to the latest episode and heard about mmo ideas on pvp and pve i would love a sort of clan war which took races into consideration you pick a clan when you start, and your race excludes you from certain clans. Also, we need an Elder Scrolls MMO on console. Your greatest fan, Moosh95. <laughs> an Elder Scrolls MMO <laughs> on a console would be brilliant. I have been actually wanting to see a solid MMO that's multi-platform, whether it be PC, Xbox, or PS3. I think that would be brilliant. So I, I'm with you on that one, Moosh. Completely with you on that one. As for the clans thing... I don't know. Wouldn't you guys want to say anything about that? Well, uh, how would they... Hmm, I, I, I guess I would probably restrict how you interact with the other characters within the game. Because you would figure the NPCs would all belong to a particular clan. So It depends. Like Not all of them could. Yeah. There could be like two different factions, if you will. Right. And yeah, they may have like minor towns that if you enter that town, you'd be killed on sight if you were from the other clan. But... Kind of sounds like to me like a kind of like a street gang. <laughs> so um, I don't know if I would like that or not. Yvonne, any any thoughts on that? Right, it might be too limiting. Uh, yeah, full exclusion based on race to certain clans. I don't think I'd be for, but I think maybe like one one type of race for one kind of clan. I think would be kind of cool because it would open up the the want and desire to to start that race to try out that clan. Mm-hmm. and kind of get a different game experience as a result. I would be for having to do extra work in order to gain favor for clans that don't necessarily, you know, desire your your race. I would be all for that as a as an RP thing, but I don't think full exclusion across the board simply because I'm a Nord, I can't get into, you know, uh tribe A is is uh well, the, good for it a game can be and it can't be and mr Labu actually kind of pinpointed that it's just, she basically said that it might help encourage people to try a different race yes and no you know it could help you change different play styles like if 
for instance, if it wasn't just race based, but like if you were had a heavy amount of magic points built into your constellations for that, you wouldn't be able to allow to get into the warrior clan or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the exclusions right. can be a problem. I think that's why they don't have anything like that right now in Skyrim. Is just keep it more open so you can experience things different ways at your leisure. I would say skill-based exclusions would be great. Yeah. You know, like if if there was like let's say for example there was like a paladin guild in in this game, you know, paladins would not welcome anybody that was a thief at all. It's just the way paladins run in in most RPGs, if not all of them. That would be one example. Right. All right, uh, next email. Uh, This one comes from Chris M. He says, hey, I've been trying to listen to you guys on Google Listen, but I can't seem to find your podcast. Are you on Google Listen or just iTunes? We've had this question come up a couple of times, and I know the the Google Listen thing can be a little confusing. Um, When I first started using it, I was kind of confused myself as how to find my own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what you have to do. All right. First of all, we recommend Google Listen for for Android, all right? Because obviously, if you, if you have an iPhone, you just go to iTunes, and there we are. If you have an Android, you don't have open access to iTunes. So what do you do? I like to use Google Listen. I recommend it. It's a great app. Um, it's widely used, and it's got the Google name backing it, so you can't go wrong with it. Um, go to skyrimofftherecord.wordpress.com forward slash feed. That's our direct feed. If you download Google Listen onto your onto your phone, and then you go to our website, and on this sidebar there, click RSS link, the link there for the RSS feed, it's going to prompt you to either use Google Listen or any other MP3 reading software that you already have on your phone. Once you choose Google Listen, you can also hit the subscribe button. And every single time we come out with a show and it hits our feed, Google Listen will refresh that show that subscription when you open up the app and our new show will be The funny thing is is that Google Listen actually gets the shows before iTunes because it's directly from our main feed. So Google Listen actually gets the show an hour before iTunes does. That's correct. Yep. Uh, Next question. This is a tough question that you threw out. Basically referring to our challenge of their favorite dungeon. Uh, Bleak Falls Borrow was mind-blowingly good as a first-world dungeon of the game. Love the puzzle around the claw, love finding the first world wall, etc. Um, but having played a lot now, I personally like the forts and castles a little bit better than the dungeon dives. My favorite was uh, Northwatch Keep, as it allowed me to go on the Thalmor killing spree. Sistron. <laughs> that was from Sistron. <laughs> There's a lot of hatred from our fans for the Thalmor, and um, yeah, I'm all for that. <laughs> Down with the Thalmor. But yeah, Blackfall... Uh, Bleak Falls really does get you into the way Skyrim works early, and that's what another thing that really impressed me on early on. Impressed me early on is I did that thing very early on. It was it was pretty cool to see that. Lou, you got anything to say about that? Well, yeah, that is pretty tough. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not gonna say anything right now about that. I mean, let's just say Northern Keep <laughs> down with killing spree. <laughs> no, I really don't have much to say about that at the moment. All right, uh, you want to take the next next yeah. email, Lou? All right, our next email comes from Ken H. And Ken writes, I love Skyrim. I don't know if I will ever stop playing. I've heard different people ideas on how to handle when your character is carrying more than the character's limit. 
or carrying more than character's limit. Some use a stone ability, and some use their companions to help them haul their loot. What I do is use my horse. I ride the horse to the dungeon. I have a fast travel just ride, and park the horse right outside. I loot the dungeon for everything that is worth looting. By this time, I'm carrying over my limit and using the whirlwind shout to help me move faster. When I get outside the dungeon and get to my horse, now on my horse, I'm able to fast travel. Have fun, guys. From Ken H. Man, I just using that well, pack horse idea, which I've, I've heard before. But man, just having to get through a dungeon when you're just crawling, waiting for your cooldown for whirlwind is... Oh, that would annoy the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just like barely... <laughs> I, I like having very, very high stamina and that stone, which gives me 100 pounds extra. So my carrying limit is 540 pounds. There is no dungeon there out there that gets me maxed. <laughs> Plain and simple. Yeah, any thoughts, guys? Yeah, I, I mean, I do like the idea of a pack horse. It, it really would help. But I probably, if I'm going to do that, I'm probably going to use my companion and that pack horse. <laughs> and holy more stuff Because Lou just there. strips the dungeons <laughs> clean. Oh, wait, wait, I missed a rock. Don't. Get that ore, <laughs> damn it. Wait, I missed a plate. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, hey, look, a wooden chair. Let me take that, too. Let <laughs> get that goblet. <laughs> what, more snowberries? Damn them. I like the uh, the idea here, though, of using the horse to fast travel even when you're over your carry carry limit, your carry weight limit. You know, if you just happen to be by your horse and, you know, you pick up that one that one thing that, that, that puts you over, you know, you can always say, ah, oh, let me just. I'm just do this. <laughs> Get on the horse, fast travel. I don't know if that's intended or not in the game, but uh, it's it's definitely a cool little go around. Right. It's something to keep in mind. All right. Next email, Evarwin. Okay. This comes from Chris Pruitt, and he says, I remember in Mass Effect that for unlocking some of the achievements, you get real in-game bonuses. I would like to see achievements like this in more games, as it would give you a real reason to want them. He has a DLC idea as well. Add an experience bonus of X percent once you unlock a set of achievements, such as the big story achievements, the main, Thieves Guild, Black Brotherhood, etc., etc., along with maybe 50% of the side quest or something, and after maxing out, let's just say five skills to 100 on one character. This especially when added with a Guardian Stone would help when making new characters to start the game anew. Your listener, Chris Pruitt. Uh... No, I don't know. I think that the XP gain is fast enough as it is right now. I mean, adding something like that would just, I think, be a little bit overkill. People will get to 50 before they finished, you know, two main stories. I don't know. I, that. What do you guys think? It would have to be balanced. But right. I, I like the idea that he's suggesting here that you can do something in one playthrough and then you start a new character and having that character reap the benefit of all that extra you know what i would actually like to see because i'm sorry but when mm -hmm. when you finish these i want some kind of trophy damn it i want a trophy i can go sit and put it in my house a yeah. plaque like, or yeah. something to hang on the like wall for yeah. the dark brotherhood can you imagine getting a statue of a black hand right <laughs> right yeah it's like a little marker for completing a, a major part of the storyline hmm. or maybe yeah. like um once you you do you finish the final stage the final um dragon you know you can get like a an epic piece of of that dragon maybe like a head or a claw to hang in your original town or you get a wing clip dragon a, a wing clip dragon clip oh wing clip so dragon you can't fly <laughs> so you have a little <laughs> mount of a dragon that's kind of lumping around the countryside how cool would that be that'd be awesome <laughs> or be a house pet you know you won't have to worry about <laughs> people complaining about the horses being too aggressive now with the dragon on your side <laughs> let him be aggressive 
You don't have to worry about that mm. anymore. That'd be cool, like a little dragonling follower or a pet or Right. I mean, it doesn't have to yeah. be something superficial, like a little hash statue of a hand. It could be little, like, vanity perks, like a little piece of armor, a different color to your Dark Brotherhood armor, or the Black Brotherhood once you finish it. Or, in, like, a Thieves Guild could be an epic lockpick that, you know, never breaks. But, oh, there's a perk for that. Never mind. But, you know, things like that that just change the game in a minor way for yourself that doesn't really isn't game-changing. Yeah, I think that'd be nice. Be good idea. Be something to look into. <laughs> Mrs. Blue says she wants a fluffy dress when she becomes Thane. <laughs> <laughs> she wants bling. Well, thanks, Chris. But yeah, the thing about achievements—they're just about personal glory, if you will. Like where it comes to trophies and achievements on the Xbox, they're all about the eping. I know that from for a while, me and my buddy Mike. Had a little competition going on who had the most trophies in, on our PlayStation IDs. <laughs> that was entertaining. Last email of the day says it's from uh, Connor. Connor says, hey guys, wanted to share how you can get an awesome sword called the Ebony Blade. Go to the inn in Whiterun. Keep asking for rumors till the last of the till the last at the bar tells you that there's something strange about the Jarl's kids. Anyway, really short quest. End up with a two-handed katana which is really mysterious. It's got a life leech of 10 points per hit, and you don't need to charge it. However, you do have to kill NPCs and companions to bring it to its max potential of 10, which is a huge life leech, but you have to be a slayer. This is actually a Daedra quest, Connor. Um, This is one of the many Daedra quests in the game, in fact. I seriously consider getting this two-hand sword because it, it looks insanely cool it's a two-hand katana but i didn't like the idea of the life leech of having to kill random npcs my character not really his play style but i'm probably gonna get this sword anyway because i right now i'm also considering getting every single danger weapon which is another um major achievement in the game and it's also the most interesting quests short quests in the entire game the data quests really are they are very unique um, like having to be a cannibal, which I'm getting ready to do that one right now. Oh. <laughs> uh, sacrificing a priest to an, an altar that Ivarwin mentioned in the haunted house. There's one that's actually very, very difficult, but has the coolest one-hand sword in the game, especially if you like killing the undead. And it starts in the northeastern section of the map. I forgot the name of it, but it's a really cool-looking sword. It's one-handed. It's all gold, glowy. And it would hit, when you hit a... Um, a drawmar, a drawmar, the undead dudes. Draugr. Thank you. When you hit Draugr. a draugr, they burst mm-hmm. into flames, and they take they take oh. damage. Anything you hit really bursts into a flame Ooh. and takes damage. But for a draugr in particular, they have a chance of exploding when they die, damaging every draugr around them. My nice. my my palate and senses are tingling on yes. this one. <laughs> it, awesome, that's a corpse bomb. I like it's that. The Dawnbreaker. That's the exact name. I got that on my first character. He has a Dawnbreaker in one, and he has the Sliver in the other hand. There's that dagger that has a chance on one-hit kill. I like I that. Dawnbreaker. insanely epic with it. Um, the wiki. Wow. Again, I'm going back to the wiki. The Elder Scrolls wiki has a list of all the Draugr weapons and where to start the quests. Many of these quests you have to start. You can't start until level 30. Um, some of these, like the Ebony Blade, is a level 20 plus in order to start that quest. Look for them, guys. They are the most entertaining quest chains in the game. 
by far, and including that little the hangover quest, is a Draugr quest. So, a night to remember. A night to remember. Draugr or, or Daedra quest. <laughs> Daedra. It's Daedra. I okay. Right. I just wanted to make sure it was. Yeah, Daedra. Sorry. The Daedra quests are my favorite in the game. Um, definitely check them out, guys. They are so much fun. I'm using that two-hand mace I got. Is front is a Daedra weapon. And I had to kill a lot of troll or not trolls, but uh, giants to get it. That's the one where I had to go at the orc camp and constantly had the guards being killed. Oh right, yeah, I remember yeah. you saying that. Yeah, there was that that troll or that giant that was uh, blocking the the cave yep. entrance. And I needed to have uh, Daedra heart for like, to complete that. So yeah, that I got that mace from that, and it was so much fun. And that's over. That one starts over by Riften, actually. The orc camp, just I want to say southwest of Riften. So check those out, guys. We have five-star shout-outs. I'm going to let Lou start. All right, for our five-star review shout-outs. From America, we have JRed5, A Spitfire77, Goose Gimlet, Jettius, Glaive18, I Sleep to Stay Awake, Nicholas B, Davi H, Kickass Jackson, Roberton143, D Campbell. Yap Yap7. <laughs> oh, why did I. Choose to go here. <laughs> um, <laughs> the cot pot pie. I think that's the CPT pot pie. CPT pot pie. Pot pie. Uh, the <laughs> misdrop. Ian M. Hugh R. Greek dude 101. Jonathan GH. Kaleo 120. Riveter 1. Mike L. Dr. Willie. Fusra Da. And in Canada, we have Lieutenant Major. So crazy. 1, 2, 3. Varwin. In the UK, we have R. Trigger Happy, The Coop Coop Man, Chris Spencer, I Am Grim Reaper, Addison 396, Winged Werewolf, Ulfric is the High King, Ian the Reader of Burned Books. (laughs) (laughs) The Oblivion, The Oblivion 4162. Marco King and John G. And lastly, in Australia, we have Annie from Australia. Hi, was Annie. Annie in the <laughs> chat room for your playthrough? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, she was. Hi, yeah, she Annie. came in on the live stream. Yeah, awesome. Uh, well, it was a, a fun show, guys. Um, I would like to hear everyone's thoughts regarding the lore segment, and if you have suggestions of something you would like to learn, email it and just put Lou Lore in the title, and Lou will get to reading that. If you have also, yeah, just any random thought you guys want to send us, please do so. We love hearing from you guys. And I do like using tips from listeners as well. So you can send those in and just in the header of the email, just put it as tip. Well, I hope everyone appreciated and liked the lore segment. If anyone has ideas or suggestions of what they'd like to hear uh, being covered, please, by all means, uh, send the email, send out a tweet. Love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, feed me, you know. I like doing a little something for everyone. You know, I'd like to keep everyone informed and show them things in the game that they haven't seen before or heard about. So uh, let me know what you want to hear. All right, guys. How to reach us. Our main website is skyrimofftherecord.wordpress.com. That's, you can find everything about the show there. Our weird pictures, what's up in the show. <laughs> um, I posted our Minecraft server up on, that web, on our website. All kinds of goodies. Um, and all links to our other sites as well our main hub thequestshow.com as well as our starwarsoutherecord.com website if you want to email us anything you want to say 
skyrimofftherecord at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, which is a great way to see when we're going to record, when we're going to do our live stream, the whole nine yards. And you can find us at SkyrimOTR. Um, you can find me, Mr. Joe Wilson, at Author J.R. Wilson. Evarwin can be found at Evarwin, E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. Lewis is at GamerGuy11B, not A or C, but B. <laughs> that's that's for you, Mike. Um, Skyrim Off the Record is a Quest Gaming Network production, and I would just like to say, Fusra you all next week. Take care, guys. Be safe. Take care, everyone. Glad you were here. See you all next week. The flute is actually uh, me practicing how to do the flute when I was on the toilet one day. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got that uh, echoey sound to it. It was just too God. much stupidity for one movie. God. They went full retard, man. They went full retard. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> See, now Joe's going to wish he'd never said that he hated the movie. Because yeah. now it's just going to be all over. Yeah, I only saw that once. I have it on my, on my DVD list. He went full retard. <laughs> exactly. You never go full retard. <laughs> Outtake. <laughs> it's Widget Vader. What? <laughs> hey, guys. I can't breathe under this mask. Do I have to wear this the entire time? <laughs> Fusilda!